This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 235, where we're talking about Jessica Jones, season 3, episode 12, aka A Lot of Worms. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. It is I, Chris, one of your podcast hosts, where we are today talking about Jessica Jones Season 3, Episode 12, a.k.a. A Lot of Worms. You're listening to Defenders TV Podcast, and this is Episode 235. Yes, 235 episodes of our dulcet tones in your ears, and I am joined by my illustrious co-hosts, the one, the only... Derek. Well, the two, the only. I'm Derek. I'm one of the two other co-hosts for this episode. And this is our penultimate episode of Jessica Jones and the penultimate episode of Defenders TV Podcast. Yes, fellow Defenders, it is I, John, your other host. Yes, and that was not a slight. I was working towards a secondary introduction, but Derek just <laughs> swooped in there with the producer going, oh no, he's going off script. Because, fellow Defenders, you should know we are scripted 100% on this podcast. It's amazing. You should see it. Like, literally every word I am saying right now is in a script. <laughs> Don't blame um, me, Chris. Don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why technically every episode is technically three hours, but it's just edited down. <laughs> anyway, jumping very quickly on, as Derek said, we are on a penultimate episode uh, of our review of Jessica Jones Season 3. And what a season it has been. Mm-hmm. But don't forget, you can pop over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you will find all of our podcasts on all of our TV and films, everything from the DC Universe to the Vertigo Universe and everything in between. Um, If you want to leave a voicemail and feedback on your thoughts of Jessica Jones Season 3 as a whole, make sure you pop over to that website, that's tvpodcastindustries.com and leave us a voicemail where you could your dulcet tones on the air right beside us or don't feel like doing that just make sure you send us some feedback on email or feedback defenders tv podcast.com but remember always make sure to subscribe to us on any drunk or sober podcast player of your choice so you never miss an episode from us but gentlemen i think i may have blasted through that site fast because i am excited to talk about this episode mm-hmm. so as always before we get in to the nitty-gritty and our case notes. Let's get some episode details. Derek, do you want to tell us what they gave us? Absolutely, yeah. This episode was written by Scott Reynolds, uh, someone that we've talked about a lot on Jessica Jones. And this is his sixth episode of the Jessica Jones show, his final one as well. Um, obviously, we only have one more episode left, which is not written by Scott Reynolds, but he's done some great work in the show. The last time we talked about him was on uh, AKA Camera Friendly, a really important episode of this season. Yeah, no, he has done a fair amount of Jessica Jones and some really, really good stuff. So it's mm-hmm. great to have him back. Uh, and I, I think it's really nice that he's doing the, the penultimate episode because yeah. I presume that the, the last episode will go to the showrunner. It certainly will, yes. yes. Mr. Rosenberg will be back for the final episode. Uh, this episode is directed by Sarah Boyd. This is her first episode of Jessica Jones. We've had a couple of brand newbies on the final season of Jessica Jones, and Sarah Boyd is amongst them. She has also directed another wonderful Marvel show. She directed Season 6, Episode 9 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Why am I so specific about the number of that one? Well, it's because it just aired in the US uh, about three days ago. So uh, it's a very, very recent episode. Definitely on my mind. So uh, really, really good episode of the show. So a seemingly a short hop, skip and a jump from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
over to Jessica Jones, although she did Jessica Jones years ago. <laughs> well, six, six or eight months ago, probably, yeah. <laughs> months ago, exactly. Yes, that's definitely a show you need to check out, fellow defenders, if you're not up to date with season six. It's a goodie, mm-hmm. but this show that we're talking about today is even better, in my opinion, right now. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us in your synopsis? Sure. As Jessica Jones is released from police custody, Hellcat begins her move against Salinger. After being tipped off by Trisha's more violent approach to justice by Eric Gelden, Jessica intervenes at the hospital and saves Salinger from a vengeful patsy. A trap laid by Jessica at Salinger's apartment leads to the capture of Trish by Malcolm and the recovery of the hard drive with proof of Hellcat's identity and the attack on Salinger. However, another trap is laid, this time for Jessica, as she ends up in a harrowing situation with the killer, Salinger. At Alias Investigations, tied to a chair, Jessica's life hangs in the balance as Salinger looks for a confession from her that she's a superhero fraud. But she is wise to his methods, and with the help from Eric, record his confession to the murder of Dorothy Walker, before subduing him and packing him off to the NYPD. With Salinger arrested, Jessica frees Trish and encourages her to move on. However, Trish is still overcome with anger and makes her way to the courthouse for a particular brand of justice. And on that note, all I have in my head is justice from all Metallica. Yeah. (laughs) Just playing in the background this whole scene. Uh, But yes, we definitely were given a lot in this episode and there's a lot to talk about. So let's jump into our top five case notes. And the first... Kate's note we have is Jessica is free. Yeah, yeah. this episode opened up really quickly, getting Jessica out of the predicament she was in last episode. The reason why we have this <laughs> as a case note is because myself and John are really crossing fingers that this could have been another moment for Matt Murdock to arrive and present himself as Jessica's lawyer and go, nope, there's, you've got nothing on her, you've got to release her right now. It is really interesting, though, that she is standing up to get out of the room. She's just going, oh, the hell with this, I'm leaving right now as the detective Amada arrives at the door and goes, you're free. So um, she could have been under arrest for breaking <laughs> breaking and leaving uh, the police department there. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that Matt Murdock, even Foggy Nelson wasn't there just to help her out with mm-hmm. um, her freedom. But certainly uh, I do like the fact that she just kind of bumps into Detective Amada as she's uh, sort of trying to walk herself out of prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thankfully she is free, free as a bird. Uh, but she now knows, uh, as she goes back to Alias Investigations, there's a there's a really sort of badly hungover Eric there. Uh, but he kind of informs her here that then, uh, yeah, Trish has got some serious vengeance and vendetta issues going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I, I felt with these this, this point in particular, there was two missed opportunities. As you've already stated, I was fully expecting Charlie Cox, Matt Murdock, to, to turn up. Right. Or Foggy Nelson, or didn't even need to act. Karen Page, just again, a nice tie through. Um, just one of them, Murdock, Nelson, and Page. Uh, one of those, or the three of them. You could have done it in a nice three minute scene, five minute scene, where it's like, here's your lawyer. Okay, well, you don't need even need a lawyer. And Jessica's like, I don't need your help either. It's yeah. fine. And yeah. like it could have been one of it's just a nice throwaway scene. Yeah. But it would have made a lot of people quite happy. Mm-hmm. Um the second piece is Jessica goes very easy on Eric. Like uh, both based on everything she knows, he's been a bold boy. 
or she's imagining he's been a bold boy mm. based on her last interaction with him. She slept with him, and then he turns up drunk. She, you would have expected Jessica to be a bit more angry. She's in love. That that could be true. I was expecting her to be a bit more like like just throwing the faucet even more in his face, or <laughs> like picking him up and then throwing him back into the uh, into the bath. Um, I did like how all the pieces started coming together, though. Mm-hmm. They, they explained it to her. Um, as an audience, we knew all this. Yeah, but there's important things that Eric says that saves him. Really, you know, he does say firstly. Jessica uses his rageometer uh, to tell her how good or bad Trish actually is. And he says she's only a 5 out of 10 here. So he doesn't feel she's that bad, whether it's because she's killing bad people um, and taking them out. And that's affecting the rageometer that he has inside or not. Uh, And it's also he says that the people that she's killing are are helping out the world effectively. So those two things kind of put Jessica at ease a little bit with him. So she does say to him that. Um, that he's done bad things and that because of his involvement, Trish has been able to do this. But he kind of saves himself throughout the conversation. He's very good at talking himself out of messes. And I think he's just done that with Jessica here. Also, she says, I need you. And that's the only reason you're alive, basically. <laughs> so uh, he does kind of end off going, you better stay there because uh, you have a job for you. basically." So. He is kind of a hustler, though, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say with Eric... He's kind of like the modern day Fonz uh, to an extent, you know, because he, he's kind of got the black uh, kind of leather jacket going on. Yeah. He's, you know, he's maybe, well, his hair's not quite as manicured. He doesn't put a comb through it every five minutes. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he's kind of like the Fonz, that bit of a hustler. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sunday, Monday, happy days. <laughs> I hate it. Hey, hey. <laughs> That's all I remember of the yeah. fans. Just, he doesn't do hey. that, thankfully. But nonetheless. Banging the uh, the jukebox and suddenly you're just playing the right song. Mm-hmm. Although I can see Jessica doing that. Yes, absolutely. Like just banging her whole face going through and the jukebox flying away. In fact, wasn't the first trailer for Jessica Jones for putting someone's head through a jukebox? Yeah. Yeah, see, full circle. Yeah, maybe, full circle. yeah, maybe if Happy Days had been done in another time, i.e., around now, it would be that postmodern, ironic sort of dark comedy. <laughs> more, more like what we do in the shadows. Yes, exactly. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. But let's move on to our case note number two, guys, because uh, we have a big moment here. You know, back in season one, we had the two heroes in our show aiming for each other all the way throughout the season building up and building up to the point where we had Luke Cage versus Jessica Jones to win in episode 12 of season one. This season, we don't need the manipulation of Kilgrave in here because Hellcat's going up against Jessica Jones as a fight between right, what is wrong and right, really, which I think is a really interesting one. So our, our case number two is Hellcat versus Jessica Jones. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is great stuff, actually, because, I mean, just first off, I just didn't expect at the start of this series that you would have... Uh, Jessica Jones helping Salinger. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, well, for me, I just didn't really even contemplate that. Okay, I see why she's doing it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, it's more to protect Trish than, than it is him. But um, yeah, it's just not something I expected. And I love the kind of tension it provided. You know, the absolute moral certainty of Trish the absolute practical realism of Jessica Jones. You know, she doesn't like what she's doing, but it's the most pragmatic thing to do to stop her sister going to to prison Mm -hmm. uh, and stopping her from doing something that she will 
I think what Jessica thinks is she will regret. She Absolutely. may not actually d- regret that anymore. And certainly not with Salinger. You know, she's kind of been um, sort of making it less and less um, horrific for her, this this act of killing. You know, it's desensitized her to somewhat uh, by having Nussbaumer and, and uh, you know, Jace uh, Montero. So I, I think... Um, I didn't expect it. So I, I was absolutely transfixed by this. And I think that image uh, of Salinger with his um, bandages on in the lift, looking at Jessica, you can still almost see his hatred of her still. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's cowering in the corner because um, he understands that she's also protecting him. I mean, that's just such a great contrast um, against what he has been trying to do all this time to show that she is um sort of unreal in a sense that she doesn't deserve this this privilege it, you know she gets by on a wing and a prayer well that wing and a prayer is saving his ass basically yeah. at this moment and that is such a fantastic image um mm-hmm. I, I think it's kind of the image associated with the episode on netflix you know when you go into the episodes kind of tab and mm-hmm. um, it's just really um a great shot really liked it yeah yeah i agree with you we, we talked about it on episode 10 that moment where we saw jessica jones in the shadow um with her face dark on one side and and light on the other side um this is kind of a repeat of that with salinger this time where he's got the scratches on one side of his face they're covered with, with a white bandage and the other side of his face is in normal light it's almost telling you this is the t- this could be the changing moment for salinger this could be the point where he stops what he's doing and moves on with his life he can choose either one path or the other path so i just like the reflection of that back from episode 10 as well yeah i i think that's like one of the great kind of thematic things going on in, in this scene mm-hmm. um you know the the these conflicts between the characters even salinger the the sort of the light and dark the the moral certainty the moral ambiguity mm-hmm. the, there's just a really nice um bit of writing it's really really good mm-hmm. yeah I, I i really like this face-off basically you're having two sisters of different differing ideologies who were close and close and then away and then close and it looked like that relationship was back starting to come back after the the end of season two Mm -hmm. to see this disintegration again and you can see it does hurt jessica to side with salinger absolutely like she she hates every aspect of it and as she says i'm only doing this so trish doesn't do something she can never come back from yeah like even hear from salinger where he says to jessica i don't understand what you're doing here why aren't you just punching her up there's no there's no ba- challenge between you and her. You could just take her out with one punch and she just kind of looks at him and stares him down as if kind of, you think I'm actually here to beat her up on your behalf. You think I'm your weapon kind of thing. Um, it's really interesting. I love this moment where the whole procedure effectively gets stretched because Jessica brings him into the lift and as they get into the lift, more people get in and then they get out to the next floor and more people get in there and then more people get in the next floor after that and you just see Jessica's reaction to it going, Oh, come give me a break. This was supposed to be a quick in out. I know she's right there. I know she's following me. And now more and more people are getting into the lift. It's really good. It is all station stop, isn't it, mm-hmm. for Jessica? And certainly then when, yeah, you know, you get that Terminator route down onto the top of the uh, the elevator. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's really, really good. I, I love the end of this scene where, where we end up on the roof. Mm-hmm. And you get the super powered throw. Oh, right. yeah. 
actually, I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. I was expecting Jessica to grab Salinger by the scruff of the neck and jump them. Yeah. Uh, yes, I said jump, not fly. There you go, uh-huh. Derek. That's well all right. Done. It's only taken three seasons. <laughs> um, but she threw Trish. And it, it was it was great to look at. It didn't look... The the the, the effects didn't look cheesy. Yeah. Um, I was watching it on 4K, expecting that to, like... Oh, and here flies a like a uh, CGI dummy! Yay! <laughs> no, it looked it looked good. It, it was well really good. cut and it was well edited to yeah. make it look that way. And I love that she um, lands on all fours as well. It's a, a nice little callback to the cat again landing on all fours. You know, all cats are yeah. supposed to land on all fours, Chris. Uh, all cats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, for those listening, my cat does not. My cat spread eagles and drops. Um, but I, I like this then it descends into further where we get the scene in Hogarth and Associates mm-hmm. where we see like Jess is there waiting for Hogarth to come in and then we do start getting Salinger going, oh, now you're my personal protection. Exactly, yeah. They, yeah. And that's the twisting moment. He thinks he's entitled to her protection now and yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. Exactly, because he basically has this threat over her which is, Firstly, if she reveals him to the police, then he'll reveal to everybody that Trish is the masked vigilante. Yeah. And if she doesn't become his protection, he'll go home and fight against Trish, and one of them will one of them will win, and one of them will lose. And as he says, he doesn't know whether it's worse for Jessica to lose him to Trish killing him, or whether it's worse that he kills Trish. He doesn't know which one would end off being worse for Jessica. I kind of feel if Trish killed him, it wouldn't be as bad for Jessica as if she lost her sister to Salinger. Yeah, she, she would find another route uh, out of the mess, or she would attempt to. Yeah. Whereas, of course, if he killed her, then presumably the thing that would really get her sort of cheesed off is, well, now I've got to kill you, and exactly. I've got to somehow get myself out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one of the things that is revealed throughout this whole conversation back and forth between Salinger and Trish and, and Hogarth and everything that's going on, Jessica reveals here to Trish that she has another piece of evidence, some other piece of evidence that she's hiding from Salinger. I think that's what changes Salinger over from having this two sides, possibly good, possibly bad. The next time we see him sitting and waiting in Hogarth's office, he doesn't have the um, the bandages on his face. He's taken them off. So effectively that moment i was talking about earlier on yeah. where he was between sides that's gone now he's made his decision i think to go after jessica and she makes it worse for herself as she spends time with him uh, as we go on to our next point in case at number three as malcolm and eric team up and jessica spends time in the apartment with salinger i think she does kind of wind him up a little bit as well definitely and i think you know what i was trying to sort of comprehend was is this because her plan moving forward is fully formed and she knows exactly what she's doing? I mean, even just this uh, idea that there is still some evidence somewhere Mm -hmm. that she hasn't told Trish about and Salinger doesn't know about. I presume that is all just a ruse to really make Salinger like totally ungrateful. I was like going, what a nightmare because, um, She's just saved you. She's gone up against her sister. This is going to be really tough for her. And then, like, yeah, Salinger decides, you know, well, I don't care. Like, he really is a piece of work. Oh, yeah. He's awful. And I think all of that stuff comes out as we go through the episode. But, yeah, at this very moment right here, I suppose, it feels like Jessica made up this story about having the other evidence to throw Salinger off track a little bit. 
But to just calm down Trish, to say, Trish, we've got this. I've got this. Exactly as Dorothy would have wanted her to say, Jessica saying to Trish, I've got this. You need to step off, basically. So um, so I think it was made up at that part. But then she works her way into her plan as she goes on. I know she sends Malcolm and Eric to team up together to take out Trish, effectively. Um, but that's, I think, the starting point of her plan. Actually, I will say, the Eric moment with Malcolm, and he's constantly saying... Uh, her words, not mine. Her words, not mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. That 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 small comedic element was perfectly yeah. timed. Yeah, absolutely. If they had it kept that bland without the comedic element, the 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 whole episode was slightly too heavy at that point. Mm-hmm. Like it was. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having heavy emotional dialogue and scenes back to back, but that break alone, yeah. just and it was what. Less than twenty seconds. Yeah, just that moment with with having Eric and Malcolm and Brianna in the in the room together in the apartment together. I just love it because it just does feel like something out of a different TV show <laughs> as well. You know, Eric knocks on the door. Malcolm goes, "Hi, uh, she's not here." And of course, that kicks off the whole misunderstanding that Eric's talking about Jessica and he's talking about Eric's sister who's been living with him and he's been sleeping with for the last couple of days. You yeah, know? dirty uh, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I love this whole other uh, like innuendo that's going on with the um, I'm just doing her a solid. And then uh, Eric says, I'm staying next door. And Brianna turns around and goes, oh, are you doing Jessica a solid? <laughs> so, like, I'm sure you are. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but but then I'm going to take a shower. Do you want to join? Yeah. What? Brianna. <laughs> and then you get, I'm only messing, yeah. kind of. But you see like Malcolm is smiling and grinning, mm-hmm. at, you know, as character, it's just really nicely done. Yeah. Uh, it's such good fun. Um, I really like that dynamic, Absolutely. I have to say. And what's great about it as well, of course, is Malcolm's been really worried about this idea of Eric finding out that, that his sister is in Malcolm's house. And the whole thing just blows over in about three lines of dialogue between the two of them because they they actually do love each other. They do spend a lot of time together over the years. They've actually become sort of friends. They're proper brother and sister relationship. Eric doesn't care. She can do whatever she wants to, basically. But I do like that it blows over really quickly and Malcolm does get to have a little kind of happy moment with them as a, as a little family unit. Yeah. I do want to come back on something I, I was talking about previously in another episode when we had the the infamous uh, bench press moment with Malcolm and Brianna, mm-hmm. or Barry back then, that we were saying that if this had just been a more wham-bam-thank-you-ma'am moment it would have had a less emotional impact. And I'm very glad to see now that Brianna is back and there was this nice moment. There, There is this potentially budding relationship and he's just doing her solid, but there's a, like, they're, they're, they're being nice and very friendly and she's talking about how nice he is. Mm-hmm. It helps soften what Malcolm is doing mm. or has been doing. So I just wanted to actually call back and go, I was wrong back then. Well, now, yeah, yeah. In the moment, we were right, uh-huh. but it just seems now that they're actually building out to be a more long-term potential. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I think there's actually another bit that we're going to talk about in a second that we're going to uh, that has a little bit of that in it. When Malcolm does have Trish back in her apartment, the whole scene actually plays out when Jess, Jess uses the um, the photo of Trish to locate the hidden camera in Salinger's apartment. Trish is watching on across the road, and she kind of keeps her entranced looking into the apartment while Eric and Malcolm go up on that roof and take her out, basically. I kind of, that's really interesting. Uh, I like that, you know, Malcolm tases her from behind and then they just drag her off and chain her up in her apartment. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I do want to say, my God, they showed us where that camera was ages ago. Yep. And I, 
I saw it and I took no heed. Mm-hmm. Like it was a throwaway sec- like second scene, and I didn't think that's where the camera was. Yeah. I didn't think about it again until Jessica does her bit, yeah. and I'm like. Oh, God damn it! We've known for this whole time. Yeah, what was it back in episode two when she makes her her run around the apartment? Or episode three where Jessica makes her run around the apartment and goes through all the things that Salinger has in his apartment and goes, oh, he's into worms, isn't he? <laughs> Just kind of lingers on the the worm case uh, right there, which has this uh, this uh, camera in it, of course. So, yeah. And then, obviously, also Salinger comes back with stuff and lifts the lid off mm. the, the worm case at a later episode right, as well. right. So, but so that's where we see him actually placing the camera. All right. But we don't actually see the camera in his hand and him putting it into the dirt. Yeah. It was a bit of a, hey, we set this up. Surprise, we set that up like eight episodes ago and you yeah. never noticed. Um, <laughs> exactly. But speaking about what you were going into a little bit earlier on about Malcolm's reaction to what happened with Barry earlier on in the season, this all comes out in the story to Trish. Effectively, he thinks he's a really bad man now for what he's done to the girlfriend he was going to move into. We've talked about this a couple of times on the show um, about how unhappy we are of what's happening with Malcolm's character. I love that he actually speaks to it. I love that he calls it out. And Trish is the exact right person to talk to about it because Trish has been going around basically killing bad guys for a couple of episodes now. So she's the right shoulder to cry on at this moment for him. She effectively says to him, yeah, you're an a-hole, but you don't deserve to die for it. Just move on with your life. Pick yourself up and move on effectively. So so I do like that he has that kind of moment of being self-aware about everything he's put other people through around him. And now that he and then he is in a situation where he can move on. It's one of these moments where they finally are reconciling these main characters in the show again. So I think it's really important. Yeah, I was hoping I completely agree around the Malcolm's piece and it was great to see that part. You were kind of led to believe that they were trying to get Trish to understand that, yes, not all a-holes deserve to die. Mm-hmm. But we later learned that that, that doesn't come across. Mm. Um, so it was interesting. I, they had two two subplots meeting at that one point in that one conversation mm-hmm. trying to convince Malcolm to as you say spill his guts and uh, kind of become a, a, have an understanding that he is uh, yeah he's not a great guy but he's going to get better mm-hmm. he's going to be better but then with Trisha's story where she starts telling the story of her father mm. Um, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but it's essentially it's a uh, domestic abuse piece, and her whole bit is no, the ends justify the means. Yeah, and she's been solid. What we learn is since a child, she solidly believed that. Mm-hmm. So we were as as an audience, we were thinking that Trish has only been kind of changing, quote unquote her mental state and her opinions since let's say season one mm-hmm. uh, as she wants to become a hero no actually this whole potentially dark hellcat persona has been there since her childhood absolutely yeah I, I think it's a really revealing conversation between these two and i thought it was really important i think i think as you guys have said one for providing the self-awareness to malcolm so you realize that he knows what he's going through. It, it's he's not on a journey that he has no control over, uh, and and also 
you know, Trish has gone through addiction of various things. So her having that conversation with him uh, is just as valid as with Jessica. And I think in the context of her being chained down uh, after uh, her kind of attempted attack on Sandra is really good. But then also that this brings out effectively Trish's confession that she's wanted to... um, do what she's doing and and that for her you know this end justifies the means is almost slightly chilling because you know she does go on to say well i can live with this Mm -hmm. i i you know whilst yes it affects me with the the deaths that i've caused here with and the murders that i've done yes they're with me i can see their faces kind of thing at the end of the day she says i can live with this you know that this this route to being hellcat as you say is born from uh her childhood and her experience there with with her father um but also the ends justify the means and that's probably why despite what dorothy uh was doing to her as well the ends ultimately was that she had a successful career exactly. and so she could rationalize that because the the end was justified by how Dorothy went about it ultimately. Yeah. Um and so this is a really kind of revealing thing. I, I think for both these characters, and I think that's really important with this being the last series, to see um that kind of self awareness from the two, or those revelations as is the case with Trish for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like that that moment where she effectively is saying that this is just what she has to do. She has to kill people and she'll have to just live with it because that's what she needs to do to achieve her goal. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit, and it's a bit, a bit of a weird connection, but it reminds me a little bit of that old Ricky Gervais comment when he was asked, you know, what should people do if they want to become famous? And he said, well, murder somebody. If you murder somebody, you get famous pretty quickly, you know? And he's yeah. right. And that's effectively the kind of thing that Trish is going through here. She's effectively saying, I want to be a hero by any means necessary. And everybody's going any means necessary does not mean killing people. Stop killing people. Yeah. You know, uh, it kind of feels a little bit like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on to case note number four. This one's for you, John. It is. It's a whiskey watch and uh, it is Jessica's other evidence. I think first off to the whiskey watch, we mm-hmm. do have the bartender uh, and the bar scene again between Eric and, and Jessica. But it, it, it's not here. We do have that great panning shot around Jessica as she's sat at her desk, uh, polishing off uh, a significant amount of, of bourbon. Uh, it's Darwinger's bourbon. Um, now, this seems to be a made-up bourbon. We've had one of these before on the show. We have. Uh, where it, it's a pure fiction of the production department. Um, I and was so disappointed in this, but because <laughs> the bottle is shown so often in this episode, as Jessica keeps refilling her glass, I kept thinking this has got to be something uh, popular. I kept pausing it and trying to catch the name of the bottle. Obviously, as always with the Netflix shows, the reason it's not a real created bottle of bourbon is because they would have had to pay rights to the, uh, the people that would have to have that little product placement flag coming up on the episode <laughs> beforehand. So it's not a real bottle. It's just called Darrington's Bourbon. Yeah, and of course, the the panning shot with kind of Jessica and this bottle of whiskey kind of oozing in and out of focus is because uh, it is laced with with a drug that Salinger has placed in Mm -hmm. there. 
I have to say, it took us forever to stop, start, pause. Yeah. Uh, these this scene just to get Darlington's <laughs> bourbon. We did uh, get compliments about uh, our whiskey watch throughout this season of Jessica Jones and all three seasons of Jessica Jones, and genuinely in the terrors of, of Defenders TV podcast, it can be like CSI sometimes. Um, we get down to that level of, you know, <laughs> pausing. I genuinely have got a screen cap of the whiskey bottle from this episode, which I was trying to zoom in on and see if I could do the, the thing that they do in this TV show where you zoom in and everything becomes much clearer. It doesn't. You zoom in and it goes even worse. Enhance. Enhance. <laughs> yeah. Enhance. No, yes. it doesn't. Don't have enhance on my computer. Exactly. I wouldn't mind. I mean, after we'd spent about 15 minutes trying to pause the 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 actual show i think i went off and poured myself a whiskey <laughs> of course it wasn't bourbon of course that's it, advertising it was a nice uh writer's tear um from from ireland yeah that's quite a nice uh, quite a nice tipple there tasty indeed but back on point um let's stop talking about boozing uh, and uh, celebratory drinks i'll oh. talk about eric and jess well boozing. actually i do have one question about the whiskey watch yeah Mm-hmm. How did Salinger jug her whiskey? Really good point, Chris. The the setup really is that Jess and Eric are in the bar together. Jess is waiting for Eric to turn up with a bottle of Darwinington's bourbon to replace the one that she knows is in her um, apartment, effectively. So she's been monitoring the, the apartment the whole time. She knows Salinger's come in and drugged her, her bourbon. Eric replaces it, hides in the apartment. She drinks her normal bourbon and when he knocks on the door she pretends to go along with the whole thing that's that's where it seems to be coming from because he's carrying that bottle when he arrives so ah good spots yes indeed okay okay that took me a second three times <laughs> it took me three times watching the scene over and over again uh, what makes it funnier really is the fact that jessica actually asks for another shot of whiskey before leaving the bar to go home and drink a ton of whiskey it's just a, a fun little nod to the fact that we're not supposed to know that eric's in the apartment the whole time. Actually, these two are just having a quick glass before they head off to to take down Salinger, knowing exactly what's going to happen, effectively. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. You see, I was probably still laughing away, actually, uh, as the bartender slags off Eric, because uh, he's in there again with Jessica. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be quite an unusual uh, occurrence of events, really, for right. Eric. Here's to repeat custom. <sighs> yes, indeed. So that is kind of the other half of the point, really, is, is, as we were talking about. Let's move it on to the other evidence that Jessica didn't have at all, basically, which is effectively she has been tempting Salinger the whole time to come after her. Uh, I love that in his apartment she says to him, you know, you probably just want me tied to a chair to capture my truth, effectively. And that's exactly what he's trying to do as we get through the episode. She's been talking him and goading him along this path to set up this whole moment where she finally gets him to admit what's going on. I really like this scene as well. You know, Salinger's kind of apologetic because he doesn't have all the best equipment that he's had for all of the rest of the kills. And Jessica's kind of going, I don't really care about any of that stuff. I know you get off on this. I know it has absolutely nothing to do with capturing people's truth, you know. And it's that moment that he flips. That's the moment when he starts shouting at her, effectively saying that he killed Dorothy to punish everybody, Jessica and everybody else connected to her. That's why he killed Dorothy. It's a really good moment because it feels like he was never going to break until she got that. And the minute she does, then the ruse is up. She effectively just goes, you're not the only one filming this. I'm filming it. And I'm also not drugged at all. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Because I was thinking, oh my goodness, she's in a serious predicament here. 
Um, and then I just like the way she just snaps the gaffer tape mm-hmm. uh, and, and off she goes chucking Salinger across the room. Yeah, yeah, I really, really like this. It actually reminded me a little bit of uh, Blind Spot, the most one of the most recent arcs uh, from Kelly Thompson that they did for the Jessica Jones run in digital. Uh, it's, I've got it in graphic novels, so I've got it in front of me here. Effectively, for five books, Jessica's strapped to a chair in Miss Marvel's outfit for absolutely no reason other than the guy thinks she's a superhero and needs a superhero outfit, uh, and then she just breaks the chains after five five issues. Once she's got the information that she needs, I just think that's a really interesting trait that they seem to have taken from the Jessica Jones comic books because these would have been coming out, out around the time this was being written and filmed. So uh, I kind of like that this is something consistent with the comic books again. Don't get that very often anymore with these shows. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's good that there's this kind of little synergy between the comics and uh, and the TV show mm-hmm. here because, yeah, it, it feels like sometimes with the Marvel Netflix universe, they've diverged, uh, you know, a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not ultimately too push whether they diverge a lot or not but i think yeah certainly it's it's nice to see uh, it also on paper as well tell us great stories yeah the character's been around for a long time she's got a character in the comic books and use it if you can and and i like using this kind of stuff in this way i like using little touches of the character in the comic books in the shows yeah and and unfortunately it's one of our last moments Mm -hmm. (laughs) but anyway moving that on uh i i really did enjoy this whole scene from Salinger and Jessica breaking it out and the 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 reveal that when Eric comes in. Like the, for me mm-hmm. this this felt like the new, the ending of I don't know it's exactly what Melissa Rosenberg and the team were trying to do, which was this felt like the big reveal at the end of a PI film. The best example I can think of is the Ace Ventura detective reveal i know okay. it's, it's, it's i know it's a completely <laughs> separate no nonsensical but it was that i got you moment it's the i got it i got you moment if you want to call right. it that yeah. and that for me was yeah. we haven't seen jessica or the writers flex that muscle much mm-hmm. because the the, yeah. the the penultimate endings have always led to the the big battle the the big like the the Kilgrave moment in season one, the 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 mm-hmm. end of season two, with her, her mum and stuff like that, yeah. they've always been huge. We haven't really had that Jessica flexing her detective to the point where she gets the bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask the question though, guys? Because this is the moment when Salinger is trying to get Jessica to reveal her truth. And he kind of tells her what it is that he wants her to reveal. We haven't really seen anybody else in this fully full-on position. We've seen Eric close to it before. Yeah. Does he get to Jessica in that moment? Does him saying to her, I want you to accept that your family died for nothing because you're nothing, you're not a hero, and you never will be. Do you think that does actually get underneath the skin of Jessica? I think it does, mm. but I think she's able to control it in this moment. She realizes probably through the Kilgraves and with... Her, her mother uh, and the experiences that we have shared with her through these TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, through the different story arcs of the different series, is that she knows that if she lets that get to her, well, then she's going to snap his neck exactly. like she did with Kilgrave. And if she does this, then, you know, she is also, t- to some extent, taking away 
something from Trish, maybe even, or that, you know, her idea now that you have to have justice, the fact that, you know, um, the start of the season was Jessica very much uh, annoyed with, with Trish for killing her mum, obviously. But but also this idea that, you know, her mum was going to give herself up and, and there was going to be justice. Jessica could still have gone to see it if she wanted to, mm. but that was taken away from her. Then she knows death killing in the name of justice... Uh, like the death penalty, I suppose, in that sense, is no use. Mm-hmm. Uh, like murder. And she, I think she's decided that's not the route she's going to take yeah. ever again yeah. um, because of Trish doing it to her mom and because of what she did to Kilgrave. So I, I, I think that she it does get to her, yeah. but she has the ability to control that impulse that she couldn't do in season one with Kilgrave. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. There is also the undercutting that Salinger's doing the whole time as well, where he's saying to her, you know, you think you're not a hero, yet this costume that you put on, that is your superhero costume. These rock t-shirts, they're supposed to tell everybody how tough you really are underneath it all kind of thing. Um, I think that just really gets to Jessica. I don't know whether I'm just putting words into this. We talked about this earlier on in the season, that he constantly is saying to Jessica this is who you are. And that's one thing Jessica really doesn't like anybody to do is presuppose that they know who she is. We know that he has gone through multiple um, courses to learn how to do psychology. We know he's a massively intelligent man, but he has constantly presumed that he knew Jessica. Even at this point in in the episode, he says the reason that he's been able to capture Jessica is because she's eminently predictable, that she'll go home to her office and drink a couple of shots of bourbon and fall asleep on the on the sofa and won't notice any difference if it's been drugged effectively but he's wrong about that and he's wrong about everything else which i kind of think is a good dig from jessica at these trained professionals who try to analyze her often i think that's a good little uh good little gag from jessica i i'm gonna reserve my judgment until the the next episode on this because Mm -hmm. for me it comes down to what she does based on the ending of this episode uh-huh, yep. Is she the superhero? Uh, like, even with her rocker, uh, the, her rocker outfits and things like that, is she mm-hmm. going to be, will, will she step up and be the hero the city needs her to be against her better judgment, well, not against her better judgment, against her familial needs, if you will? Yeah, her own wishes, yeah. Versus will she actually... Still do it, but will she accept that she's, or will she not want to do it because she feel that what's the point? Like she's mm. failed the city, she's failed her family, she is useless. So it's the turning point in this now because it's a TV show, and they want somewhat of a happy ending. I feel it's going to be the the, the former versus the latter. I.e., she'll become the hero. She's embracing. She's embracing that, no, okay, she, maybe she's had not the best history so far, but she could potentially mm-hmm. turn it around in her own way. Um, yeah. She'll yeah. be a hero in her own way. Um, but let's wait and see. Uh, so I'm kind of reserving yeah. judgment. I know it's a bit of a cop-out, but... No, 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 absolutely not. No, I, I just think you can tell by the reaction on her face that he's definitely getting to her, but there's a couple of other things that he says that I think kind of twist her into, you don't know me at all kind yeah. of thing. But uh, yeah, let's, let's get on to the ending. Let's talk about the ending in our case note number five, a bloody mess. 
is the name of our final case note. Uh, kind of understandably, but loads of stuff is going on, because although this is the penultimate episode, they are trying to tie up everything that's going on to make it look as if we're going into our happy ending, with Salinger going off to prison, uh, Costa being back involved, and <laughs> uh... effectively... Eric and Jessica sorting everything out. Yeah, exactly. This is a great rug pull. Uh, again, uh, I didn't expect uh, for Trish to go after Salinger after this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got the signpost there with Eric saying, yeah, she's kind of getting a taste for blood here. She likes to kind of, you know, use metal objects, yeah. uh, whether it's the metal support in a building or whether it's a metal baseball bat, she's kind of got, she should be called the tin man or the <laughs> tin woman. Uh, I don't know, but like, um, yeah, I did not expect this and I thought it was fantastic. Um, just the whole episode, it just fitted in so nicely. Um, what with all the, the twists, um, and the unexpected outcomes, I suppose, uh, that you get here. Uh, and for Trish to do what she does, because I mean she attacks coppers as well. Yeah, yeah. you know she's 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 not going to allow anything to stand in her way uh, at all. Um, I thought it was really good. Now, as to how she knows about the secret underground tunnel from one place to the courthouse, I don't know. Um, I would have thought that wouldn't necessarily be linked to the main elevators, but nonetheless, I think this is a um fantastic moment of of doing a good in plain sight shock really Mm -hmm. it's all pointing that she's just gonna be um you know i am vengeance kind of thing (laughs) she really is you just think she's not going to do it because everything looks to be sorted Mm -hmm. you know yeah Uh, we expect them to go skipping down the yellow brick road um (laughs) alas it's a little more red in color and it's less of a road more of the a inside slick. of an elevator. Yeah, yeah more of a slick. Um, lovely touch from Scott Reynolds in here just to say there is a moment when Hogarth's standing in front of the elevator and it's taking ages to get up. And I love that the guard who's bringing her in, the police officer that's bringing her in, says to her, oh, it's because it's old equipment. It's been here in the in the building since the 1940s. And he starts going into this whole story as if he's a tour guide. But that's to tell you exactly what you wanted to know, John. How does she know about the lift? Because it's on the building's plans from the 1940s. So she probably did search out the plans, you know. Well, I, yeah, I kind of like that as a little gag, that it's a little, a little touch there. Um, I do love the conversation between Jessica and Trish when Trish is still tied up in chains and Jessica reveals to her that they've effectively gotten everything. They've gotten the knife, that horrible, awful knife that hopefully he never used for cooking, um, put it into a bag with the, the blood that she got out of Trish's fingernails. They got the hard drive and everything else, handed it over to Costa, and it's done. It's off their table. Neither of them have to worry about Salinger anymore. It isn't satisfying. It doesn't take away the pain, but it's over. And it doesn't matter if you're angry. It's done. I really love that conversation between the two of them when Jessica reveals that to Trish. Yeah, no, for me, that that's it's hard, that scene where they hug. Again, they, they kind of got me with this. I was expecting Trish to punch her. I was expecting oh, really? Trish. I was expecting Trish to go violent. Uh, okay. Because she goes, it, do, it, it doesn't matter if you're angry. It's done. It's done. Yeah. I was expecting Trish to go, no, but it was mine. You took this away mm-hmm. from me. And storm yeah. out. I wasn't expecting Trish to go, oh, thank you. And then you get to the later point where Trish is in with her co-host from her job. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's the co-host that tips her over the edge. 
I know. I love that she says to her, you know, why isn't there a death penalty in this city? I wish the guy had died in crossfire when he was being taken down. And she, then she goes, oh, this is probably not the right, not the kind of thing that you want to hear right now. Damn right it's not. It just sent her <laughs> off to kill him. <laughs> <was> so bad. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of the Winter Soldier trigger here going on. Do you know? <laughs> so um, the right combination of words and yeah. Trisha suddenly a murderer goes off and kills Sam. And they're all designed to be said in a TV studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just, uh, for me, that was the bit. Because it, it looked... It looked like we were good. It looked the way that this was. It seemed that we had, uh, as you guys put it, like Trish had mended, everything was good. Like, yeah. we got the, although Trish is not happy with how it ended, Jess had resolved that storyline. Yeah. And Jess even says to her, you know, not everybody can take this. Trish is saying, I can't take this. This isn't the way I wanted it to end. And Jessica's going, not everybody can take this. Most people who can't take it are either dead or in jail. That's what happens to them. You're going to have to accept it or else you're going to be dead or in jail. Um, and again, they do that kind of normal drama show wrap up. If this was a one and done series, this is where it would end, where you've got Costa on the stairs, giving her, giving Jessica the nod, going, it's all OK. We've got him in the bag. Got Hogarth coming in to meet her client and it's all going fine. They don't know underground. We have the big battle going on between uh, Trish and the guards. I think that's a really good fight, actually. The, the fight scene uh, below grounds as she's stopping each one of them individually. Yeah. Do you know why I love it? Because the cops keep getting back up over and over again for a while until she eventually gets Salinger out of there and into the lift. Because so often in these shows, they use that idea of, well, these are heroes that can kick someone once and they're out for the count. Um Trish, as we know, doesn't have superpowers. She has super agility and speed, and she's been practicing Krav Maga for years. So, uh, so she's a very good fighter, but she's not someone that can hit someone in the face and knock them out instantly. Uh, not most people that are trained like a police officer would be. So uh, I do love that. I love that Salinger gets his hands on a gun and tries to fire at her, and she wraps herself around the wall like she did in that first episode. Yeah, that was a cool uh, training. move. That was deadly. Uh, and then gets him into the lift, so... Yeah, and then you had that moment where she's fighting Salinger, and the door just ding, 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 mm-hmm. ding. I was like, "Yeah, we've all been there." It's like, "Oh, is that me? Is that me? No, no, it's you. No, it's me. No, oh, it's that cop that's unconscious on the floor." Okay, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. We we get it. <laughs> Not always when I'm beating someone to death at an elevator will I have that particular uh, moment. But <laughs> but yes, it's always someone has their legs sticking out or in to the lift. <laughs> but the final moments for Salinger are pretty brutal, aren't they? As uh, as Trish is hitting him for every stab wound that he inflicted on her mother and every time he cut her effectively is the whole point. And then it yeah. just gets worse and worse. And she stands up and realizes she can't let him go. Even giving him a savage beating isn't enough for, for him. And yeah, she effectively stumps him until he ends off as a bloody mess in inside that elevator that reminded me of american history x the mm-hmm. curbing scene yeah, yeah. and I just the uncomfortable feeling of that scene which yeah. is what 10 plus years old now uh easily yeah. Yeah. it just it, it was uncomfortable to watch trish do that mm-hmm. now yeah. the one thing i will say is we get the, the follow-up scene where Hogarth mm-hmm. is waiting for the lift. We hear a scream as Jessica comes in and it's Hogarth there looking quite shook. And we finally get the reveal mm-hmm. of the bloody mess that is Salinger. Yeah. For that amount of beating that Salinger had received, mm-hmm. I was expecting his face to be a bit more messed up. 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know whether I could have seen any more messed up than that. I thought that was pretty messed it, up. It was, but we've seen worse based on what has happened. Like, in my head, The Punisher. We've seen worse in The right. Punisher season. Oh, I'm so glad we don't have to watch another season but, of The Punisher. But, <laughs> but again, I think, I, I think you're right, Chris. It is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's more impactful than The Punisher because you kind of get slightly desensitized i suppose in some respect to what the punisher does because it's the punisher but this is trish this is patsy walker we've watched these three series and you know we've been on that journey with her and it was to start off it was i want to be a hero Uh, i want to do good Mm -hmm. um and that good that she's wanted to do has turned out into being a little uh vengeful really um you know it's based around vendettas and so you're kind of like going, no, Trish, don't do this. I mean, I had that with the other two, with, with Nussbaumer and with Jace Montero. You know, yes, these were bad guys. At least you thought Nussbaumer was an accident. Well, it was. Mm-hmm. But with Jace Montero, you know, this is the, the killing that Eric um, explains to Jessica. She's getting a taste for sort of the more violent form of justice. Exactly. And here it is out and out rage it's pure rage and you just don't expect that for trish yeah um yeah. and it's just how she's evolved uh, but it's still at the moment where it really you know pardon the pun hits home uh it's still uh like really shocking yeah it it's interesting though she was a five on the radio meter if we want to call it that she suddenly mm-hmm. goes from five to eleven but does she though because eric was with her when she killed jace montero and murdered him in cold blood. At least with Salinger, there's almost a re- more of a reason because it's personal. He murdered her mother. So does she jump from a 5 to a 10? Or is it because she feels completely justified in it that it masks how bad she actually is? Yeah. You know, I, I wonder about that. You know, is, is it something that is messing with Eric's ability to see people's rage is it because the world is a better place when these people yeah, are I, I, also kind of adjusts the levels i think I suppose, so well that whole story that whole piece the world is a better place i i never fully bought it it's the world is better for him in that moment because the the constant onslaught of bad that he gets is clear yeah, yeah. But he, as you said my headache disappeared yeah if if you're yeah. con if you're in chronic pain and killing someone is going to basically make you better for a period of time. Mm-hmm. But then the killing someone takes on a lesser evil, if you will. Yeah, but I think that's why he gives her a five, probably, than maybe, you know, a high seven. Because yeah. um, in, in that moment, because, um, yeah, for him, that angerometer. Uh, that rage ometer is personal to him, and he's the one being affected by the lightness that creeps in, or the the sense of feeling better. See, he describes it at some point in this episode, early on in the episode to Jessica, he describes it as a euphoric feeling, like a bit of heaven has opened up on Earth. Um, so I think we talked about it before, about this superpower that he has is actually much bigger than he ever thought it was. He walks down the street, he can pick out who are the worst possible people before they have any interactions at all. He can pick out the worst possible people by this trigger effectively that he has. And now he's found out that if somebody murders one of those people, there's a lightness that comes over to over him. So his superpower is much bigger than he thought it was at the beginning of the series. So I'm kind of intrigued to see 
is it just purely because Trish is the one that is killing those people that's keeping her meter level lower? Or is there something else going on? Is he is he not telling the the real thing behind it to Jessica or something? I'm just I'm just wondering about that because this this He's, is all about the definition of superpowers. He doesn't test them. He's never tried this idea of killing it, killing the bad people before because he just was taking money off. Them. Oh, he's still hungover. He's got really bad judgment. Maybe, maybe. he's also his character is <laughs> based on a, a villain in the comic books, which I I know the, the wizard was based on a villain in the comic book, so that's not saying much. Yeah. But it doesn't lend much credence right now to that to the why he does it. But just based on the euphoric mm-hmm. feeling, based on everything, I think he downplayed it a bit because she does right. double in crazy. She her cray cray went off the scale. It went mm-hmm. like super sound. It went straight to number one on the Billboard charts. <laughs> Unlike the song, unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> so this doesn't sound like something we're going to get on this episode. I'm not sure whether we're actually going to get this solved by next episode. We know they have an open question there from Eric to Jessica as to whether he's now a superhero because he was able to help her out in taking out Salinger. But uh, what, maybe something will happen next episode when we find out that Salinger's not there anymore because of what Trish did. That does kind of shut down our top five points, though, for this episode. Anything else you want to talk about before we move on to defense? No. I did want to call out, it is nice to see that even though Costa did run out of his adoption meeting, mm-hmm. um, he did, it looks like, now that he's been off, he was retired or kind of ousted from the force he looks like he got a daughter him and his partner got a daughter yes which is a nice ending for that character yeah it is kind of cool that that uh, he seems to be walking down the street holding hands with this little girl um who seems to be very very young seems to be only a toddler so uh yeah that's really nice little happy moment yeah no absolutely um after jessica just assumed it was going to be a divorce between the two of them (laughs) yeah so it's nice to see that, plus he's also suddenly gets the collar for Salinger as well. So for him as a character, he's gone from bad back to good. Yes. Like his his life was destroyed slightly and then actually it was built back up. So not really a, a point of or a note, just happy ending. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, only one other thing about the Darwington's bourbon that I just wanted to mention. The only reason we found out it was definitely the right one. Uh, Dar- Darwington's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey uh, was made for the TV show Bull, uh, another TV show uh, with a private investigator in it. Uh, it's the only other mention on the entire internet of this particular whiskey that Jessica Jones is drinking. So that's, that's possibly the prop master from Bull brought it over to Jessica Jones and just gave it to one of their friends and said, you can use that in this show. They cleared the rights <laughs> to it kind of thing. Uh, that's possibly where it came from. But just wanted to mention that since we've been doing Whiskey Watch for three seasons now, wanted to help you out on that one, John. Thank you. Good spot. Yeah, I didn't see that when I was searching for... Darlington's. <laughs> I actually thought it was Dalwinnie, a scotch, because yeah. um, that has a black label. It's but, fairly tasty as well. Yes, but that, isn't that one the um, that's like the only available to uh, distillers alone, and there's only 200 bottles of it produced? You know, I can see why Jessica was lashing it back if it was that exclusive <laughs> bottle. You know, I am getting this before anybody else gets their hands on it. <laughs> but she's not known for the uh, the top shelf expensive whiskey in the past, right? But now that they're selling the props off, uh, probably it is going to be top shelf and cost about $300 just for that bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe if they ever get the rights to sell off the Jessica Jones props. <laughs> yes. So, gentlemen, I think that about wraps up all of our notes and all of our points for this episode as we go barreling into the finale of Jessica Jones season three. 
Before we run off and quickly press play on our Netflix screens, let's talk about our defense. Derek, do you defend this episode, a.k.a. a lot of worms? I love this episode. This is a brilliant penultimate episode of the series um, because it felt like it was wrapping up really well. Everything seemed to be going very well for everybody. There was loads of twists and turns for us as the audience watching, thinking Jessica was possibly being taken out by Salinger and she flips the script on him. That's really cool. And then the TV show flips the script on us, thinking that Trish is accepting sort of that the law is going to take uh, Salinger into its hands. She doesn't want that and kills him. Like that, these are all great twists. This is definitely one that I wanted to just say. I want to see the next episode immediately. So I'm looking forward to seeing episode 13, the finale of Jessica Jones season three after that one. Great stuff. John, do you defend this episode? Jessica Jones season three, episode 12, a.k.a. a lot of worms. Oh, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Yes, I give this five bloody elevators to nowhere out of five, uh, for sure. I think if uh, Charles Dickens wrote a book in this day and age around Jessica Jones, it would be great unexpectations because... Because he can no longer write English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I don't know. Uh, because I didn't expect a lot of what went in here, and I think that's what made the um, the episode actually just so so good. I lack think, of expectations. Maybe? Yeah, maybe, but okay. that doesn't work. The great <laughs> lack of expectations. Okay. <laughs> I had to improvise. Okay. It's common usage at this stage. Um, <laughs> that's the argument i'm gonna go with yeah i didn't expect um the the rug pull um with trish killing salinger and certainly not in the way uh in you know in that really shocking uh way Mm -hmm. so i thought that was really excellent i mean even jessica jones helping salinger i understand why you know she was doing that to save trish but nonetheless um i just did not expect um her to at least apparently save him as much as she did you know the idea that she was then guarding him back at his apartment, even though that was part of her sort of ruse and her plan, mm-hmm. I thought it was really, really good. And I mean, I, I just thought this was great. I think uh, as well, Malcolm, Eric, and Barry, Malcolm and uh, Trish, their kind of conversations, both um, very comedic and heartfelt, were really uh, nicely done. So, yes, I do defend this episode of Jessica Jones. Yes. Chris, do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? Yes, I defend this episode of Jessica Jones. Uh, guys, for me, I'm not going to, I can't belabor any more points that you've already made. And I would just be rehashing and remixing my love for this episode, the same as yours. I'm just dying to see the next episode. I know, um, I know. It, re- it is the last one. I'm interested to see how they, how they wrap it up. Yeah. Will they leave certain threads dangling? Uh, with enough, uh, with enough a story for potentially who knows where. Like, mm-hmm. depending on how this this turns out, will someone pick this up as a comic book, like what they did with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows? It's really it's an interesting. It's interesting to see how they wrap this up in another fifty something minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I yes, I hundred percent, I hundred percent defend this, and I'm quite enthusiastic and trepidatious in terms of the next 50 something minutes 
I'm so sad we only have one more episode of this show to go. I'm trying to put it off as long as possible so that we don't finish Jessica Jones Season 3. This has been a fantastic season so far. Really looking forward to seeing how they wrap it up and hope they do a much better job than the earlier Marvel series of earlier on this year uh, with their final episode. Um, thanks very much for joining us. We will hopefully have some feedback in this episode when we release it. At the moment, we're recording these slightly out of order and on top of loads of other things going on with San Diego Comic-Con going on and loads of other stuff that we're talking about and we're covering. So don't have any feedback right now, but we will drop it in here if I get some in time before we release the episode. <laughs> and if you want to send in any thoughts about the Defenders TV podcast, which will be shutting down after the next episode, or about Jessica Jones season three at all, please email us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com or pop on over to our group for the final time for the final spoiler post to facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. Otherwise, make sure you subscribe to our podcast over on tvpodcastindustries.com. We do have all of our podcasts spread out all over the drunk or sober podcast catchers out there. We even have a brand new one that just went up this week on Spotify. We have the Pennyworth podcast uh, for our new Pennyworth show where we did the Penny, Pennyworth preview podcast, which is so difficult to say. I wanted to make sure I said it one more time. Yes, and how <laughs> we're going to keep that uh, child friendly, I don't know after no episode two that we saw. Yeah, no wow. idea. That is <laughs> brutal. Yes. Yes, very brutal. And not in the Dublin way. I mean, like actually very, very violent. Uh, almost as violent as The Boys, which we will also be covering on its own feed over on tvpodcastindustries.com. Chris? Gentlemen, ladies, fellow defenders, and everything in between, your cats need to be watching this, your dog needs to be watching this, your <laughs> grannies and your uncles and your... every Everyone needs your trees, your pets, your goldfish. Everyone needs to watch the TV show. Uh, it is coming to Amazon at the end of this month mm -hmm. uh, in July, and it's based on an amazing series of comic books and it's violent, it's gritty, it's real, with some fantastic cast, fantastic acting. And yeah, uh, wait, watch this space. Make sure you join us over on TV Podcast Industries for our coverage of The Boys. And we can say, since the embargo's up today, we have got all eight episodes of The Boys. So we have seen a bunch of it, and it is really good, quite faithful to the comics. Not exactly like the comics, because the comic books came from a certain perspective. But a lot of the things you will have seen in the comic books, if you read them, are in there and a lot of other stuff that is very very brutal is also in there <laughs> yeah it's really good really good looking forward yeah. to getting it's back on that one electrifying mm -hmm. if you will mm -hmm. <laughs> it's translucifying oh there you go we're making up words now <laughs> <laughs> I've done that I've done that all episodes <laughs> right with that thank you so much for joining us fellow defenders looking forward to talking to you for the final episode of Jessica Jones next time Yes, thank you so much, everyone. Um, John has his finger in his nose, so I am taking this uh, point. <laughs> and goodbye. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you in the final episode. Yes, as always, fellow defenders, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, I'm going to take the stairs. Is that all right? I don't want to get in that <laughs> elevator. Um, don't get in the elevator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but once I'm at the top of the stairs, I'll speak with you again soon. Just before we go, uh, we didn't actually get any feedback in for this episode. Please send in your feedback for the final episode for Jessica Jones and for Defenders TV podcast. Um, good news, bad news situation. Uh, we have got a little bit more time to give you to send in your final thoughts on our podcast and on 
uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, we're going to be recording our Jessica Jones episode 13 finale review a little bit later than we thought. So uh, it's going to be about a week before we get that final episode out to you. We won't be recording it until at least the 23rd of July. So you have loads of time to get some more feedback or any feedback in for the final episode that you want to. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Bye. 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 Yeah, I, I, I really like this face-off. Um, we've known it's been coming... Yeah, see? Face-off, face-off, face-off. <laughs> oh, God, that's still such a great movie. Uh, absolutely. <clears throat> um, but that's, I think, the starting point of her plan. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right with that. Like, it, it's, I, that kind of perfectly moves us on. Did you already move us on? Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. I missed that. <laughs> you didn't say case note three, though. I did. Okay. I definitely missed that bit. <laughs> Actually, I do have one question about the Wissy Watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did Salinger jug her whiskey? Oh, this is good. A very good point, Chris. So the Eric and Jess scene that happens in the yes. bar is a total setup. So... Jessica's waiting in the bar for Erica to... Er, Erica? It's Erica. <laughs> <laughs> Next season on Jessica yeah. Jess. Really good point, Chris. The The scene where you see Eric and Jess meet at the bar is a total setup. Jess is waiting there for Eric to arrive with the two bottles of Darwinton's bourbon. So while they're there... Sorry, it's not. It's one bottle. It was a great rug pull um, to see... Trish effectively go uh, commando on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> See, that made something different than you thought it meant. <laughs> I think Terminator or, po- or Predator. But I was commando thinking is commando as in. <laughs> it's like she had no pads on. Oh, free and easy whilst <laughs> I kill Salinger. Um... Why didn't nobody take the final line? <laughs> I thought you were. <laughs> None of us took it. Closing. I was, and I didn't say it. And then you took it over, and then you didn't say it. You threw it to John, and he didn't say it at all. <laughs> Hang on. Face off. Face off. Face off. Face, face, off, off, face, face off. Face off. I really want to watch that film tonight now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's such a great movie. Just yeah, for that one scene. Yeah, I do. Face so off, terrible. Face off. <laughs> and then I might just watch Connor. Oh god! Not again! Oh god! No, not a dick. We're going. On. We're going on a. We're doing a cage off, people. Cage off. Cage off. Cage off. Cage off. Cage off. <laughs> See that works too. <laughs> and then Derek's going to be. Derek's going to be locking himself in the spare bedroom. To be honest, I have to watch all of those things. I will just sit in the spare bedroom with a book. <laughs> but there you go. Right. A book. Cage can't be in books. They can't even write cage. They can if you. Well, it depends if you do. uh, Jesus. (laughs) Bye.